Hello and welcome, and I hope you had a good American Thanksgiving. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper, and I'm David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening, no one cares. The show where every episode's the last episode. We will be here tomorrow with Tony Five doing a full Thanksgiving debrief, but today I'm going to play something I taped while I was off with a pet psychic. An animal communicator. Her name is Nikki Vasquez, And check her out online. She's a pretty big deal. And we're happy to have her on the show. And I'll tell you what. I will try not to get too skeptical about how pet psychicery, if that's a word, works. So whether you believe in this stuff or not, this one should be a fun one. And we'll be back tomorrow to hear about the duck I had on Thanksgiving. Hey, David. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Good. You look so ready and put together. I mean, it's like you were... It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Let me tell you, David, I cracked up at your Twitter bio. Oh. About, I'm a podcast. I'm not a podcast. I'm on the. I'm a radio, but I'm not a radio show or whatever. I laughed out loud. It was perfect. Oh, I'm glad you like that. When I was... um. A kid, like younger, I used to pretend it was a radio show. And when people said it was a podcast, I get mad. And then I was on the real radio and we pretend it was a podcast. That's awesome. So I like the ambiguity of it. Um, Okay. So we wanted to talk to a pet psychic. Welcome, by the way. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are billed as an animal communicator and teacher. But would you say you're also a pet psychic? Those words mean the exact same thing. I think the internet likes the, the sexy sound of pet psychic, but... When I introduce myself, what naturally flows is animal communicator, but they mean the exact same thing. Okay. I like animal communicator because pet psychic, I think to some people seems out there, animal communicator seems very on the level, but I like that they're synonymous. I did some background reading on you and in a weird way, we have very similar paths. Nice. How so? Well, let's talk about you. You didn't start as an animal communicator. You were doing a real corporate job, weren't you? Yeah, I was a full-time attorney in Center City, Philadelphia. I was in court every day. And at the time, David, I didn't even know that animal communication was possible. So what I think a lot of people assume is that those that can talk to animals, pet psychics, animal communicators, they mean the same thing. They assume that these people have had this, quote, gift since they were a child. But what I preach all the time online to my students, I have an online animal communicator academy, is... Animal communication is something you can learn to do. And I didn't learn that this was possible until I was 28 years old. And about a year after I learned it was possible is when I left the law firm for good. So July of 2021, I quit the firm and went full-time animal communication. I love this story. Here's where I'm at. No, no, here's not where I'm at. How did you discover this is something you could do? A massage therapist at a local wellness center could talk to animals. She didn't do it professionally, but she had been doing it for the large part of her life for friends and family. So my friend Kylie got a massage by her and they were talking. And then Kylie's like, you're never going to believe what Gina told me. She can talk to animals. And that was the first time I ever even realized that this world existed. So I went home and Googled animal communication books, bought the first 10 that showed up, read them all in like a week. And they were all by different authors, 
But a common thing that every single book said was every single human being can learn to do this. And most of those authors hadn't learned that it was possible until their 50s. So I'm reading all these books and I'm like, well, I'm everyone. Like, let's give it a try. So I started just doing free practice sessions for friends and families, animals, and slowly eventually convinced myself that I was really doing it based on the phenomenal feedback that I was getting. All right. Now I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm Canadian. I moved to San Francisco to do software engineering. I worked at a big tech companies. Okay. Not unlike being an attorney. It's a good job. Mm-hmm. Prestigious job. Mm-hmm. You know, quote unquote, smart person job. Somehow they let an idiot like me in. <laughs> That's where we're not similar. Calamity occurs in my life. I, I get a divorce. I decide I've hit rock bottom. Why don't I just try stand-up comedy? Because like, not, what worse could be than this divorce? If I bomb at stand-up comedy, that, that'll be like child's play. <laughs> it's something I'd always wanted to try. I finally, it's not that I had the courage to do it. It's like I had no courage left. And so I could try anything. Mm-hmm. That was fine. Whatever. It was like, I'm glad I did it. Learned a lot about public speaking, a lot about myself. Randomly, a year or two later, I'm 27 at the time. Somebody invites me on a radio show to promote a comedy show. Not yours. Not, well, no, no. It was my, I had a comedy show that I need to get people to come to. So I go on a radio show to be like, hey, come to my comedy show. You know, you've heard, like to promote it. Oh, okay. And, um... I loved it. And I thought to myself, oh, this is something you can do. You know, I know that sounds silly, but I didn't think being on the radio was something you could do. And then I, like you, you were doing free practice sessions. I started a shitty podcast no one listens to. Listened to. (laughs) Freudian slip. Intentional, perhaps. And yeah, I just did it and did it and did it as a hobbyist. And then January 2021, I quit my job. Whoa. To pursue this professionally. And then I get my first radio job, you know, six, seven months after that. This is how our paths are similar. Yeah. And David, it's awesome because when you're going through a hard time, whether it's a divorce, whether it's you hate your job, whatever it is, it's like you have nothing left in you other than, okay, let's do something that might make me happy. And then when you take that leap, opportunities open. So you said six months later, you got the job. And when I was dabbling in part-time lawyer, part-time animal communicator for about six months, because, you know, being a lawyer, it's a solid, it's a salary. You you know when your next paycheck is. I miss that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to excel any further at this while still a lawyer because it was such an energy suck. So when I left the firm, like when you made the decision to leave, within that week after I left, and this didn't happen every time, but the week after I left the law firm, I made the exact amount of what my two-week paycheck would have been at the firm. Of course, that didn't keep happening. But it was like a message for me, like, you're going to be okay. This is your path. Keep going. I make like five bucks a week in radio. So that's uh, this is where we completely <laughs> differ. Okay, so it started with Merlin, your pet. or I, Is it Merlin or Merlin? I never know how to... Merlin. Merlin and Donald. And what, what happened with your pets? Like the first pets that you were able to communicate with, what were they saying? What was this like? Well, it's really funny. So the first animals I communicated with actually were not my own because... You want to get feedback from someone else that you got things right. And we obviously know our pets well. We assume we know what they like and don't like. So I connected with this cat. And this was phenomenal for two reasons. One, I did a well. I did well at the session. But two, the owner just happened to forget to tell me that her cat had passed away three months prior. So I did a full session thinking this cat was alive. 
And everything came through the same way it had been coming through from the living animals about the layout. She talked about the specific color, the dark purple color of the comforter, and that there was this green bookshelf at the base of the bed to the right. And that she didn't like when mom put her cell phone on the nightstand at night and how she would always swat the phone off the table, (laughs) all of which was accurate. But in the follow up call, this human, this owner was saying everything was in the past tense. Kitty loved this, loved that. And I was like, hey, why, why are you talking in the past tense? And she's like, oh, my cat died three months ago. So that was phenomenal for me and how the floodgates really opened, because that was the first time I realized that I could talk to animals that were deceased. And now 60% of my work is animals in spirit, 40% are living animals. So it was it was just session like that after session after session of just these very specific details of animals either describing the layout of their favorite room or things in the house or stuff going on in their humans' lives that really eventually just built up the confidence in me that there is no way I would have known that information had it not truly come from the animals. But to your question about what's it been like with my own animals, it learning animal communication, which everyone can do, I said that a minute ago, but learning animal communication strengthens the bond with your own animals because you just have this deeper, broader understanding of each other. And I'm not saying that I always know every second of the day what my animals want or need, but certainly there I am way more knowledgeable about how I can give them the best life than I was four years ago. Okay, we've talked about paths. We've talked about you and me. Look, I'm a skeptic. That doesn't mean I'm saying certain claims are true or not true. I'm just saying there's a lot of, I need a lot of proof for me to believe something. Mm -hmm. It's like, take God, for example. I'm not saying God exists or doesn't exist. I just would need a lot of proof to believe in that, Um, which I I haven't seen, whatever. So I guess I'm like an agnostic or whatever. Forget about God. How does this all work? So when I do my sessions, it's all through a picture just a photograph. I don't ever meet the animals in person. I don't meet my cl- human clients in person. And I that is the way it is for several reasons. One, my clients are all over the world and there's various time zones. And I, I'm a very early morning person. So I do my sessions at like 7 a.m. But I look at a picture, a couple seconds. I just look at the picture to connect with them energetically. I know the animal's name, gender, whether they're living or in spirit ahead of time. I like to know that information because it allows me to give a more personal session if I am not just saying it or they. And I close my eyes and the whole session is me sitting in my chair with my eyes shut. So there's not much to look at if I'm doing a remote session. But then I will ask a question out loud because to to provide something for the that my clients to listen to, I have to, there has to be some audio component. So what I do is I will record myself speaking on my, on my phone. So I will ask the question that I'm asking the animal out loud. I'll receive their answer in my mind. And then I will repeat their answer out loud so that after the communication, I can send the audio file to their owners to listen to. But during the session, I'm a very heavy question-based animal communicator. Like I ask the animals a lot of questions. We go over I first start by describing the animal's personality because like you said, David, you're a little bit skeptical. No, I know I'm a lot. I'm a lot bit skeptical. You're talking about energetically. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Yeah, I don't I'm not saying anything you're saying is true or not true. I'm just listening to, to try to see what's going on and figure it all out. A lot skeptical. OK, but that's good. I love it. And something. Are you familiar with the medium Tyler Henry? Uh, no. Okay, so there's a medium, Tyler Henry. I I love listening to him speak. He's a very great communicator. He said something one time that I loved. He said, 
skepticism well he said a healthy level of skepticism is good it's how you learn yeah so there's nothing bad about being skeptical no i i, I agree yeah so in my sessions i will ask the animal to describe their personality and i start every single one of my sessions that way because like you like you're skeptical like you said a lot of people are so if i start the session describing their animal's personality and their favorite things they're going to be like okay that was kind of cool maybe she just assumed it from the picture but i'm listening and then i continue i ask about their food their bedding their exercise if they have a favorite place they like to go to i ask them to describe their house what they like about their house what they don't like about their house to describe or comment on their animal siblings, on their human family members, if they have any aches or pains in their body. So we cover all aspects of their life. So it's not just me saying, oh, your dog loves to stick his head out the window and feel the fresh air and he loves his treats. Cool, Nikki. Most dogs love that. You know, it's very specific things that are coming through that eventually you will be like, okay, there's something here because there's no way she would have known that. But that's a fallacy, right? That's called the argument from incredulity. It's like, I can't think of a way how it happened. So the way that you're saying it happened is the way it happened. But I'm more interested in the, in the mechanism. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, It's telepathy. It's telepathic communication. And what that is, David, every human being is has communicates telepathically. So an example, there have been times I'm certain of where your phone rang and before you looked at it, you knew who was calling you. Has that ever happened? Sure, but I, I'm happy to chalk that up to coincidence. Okay. Well, what about a time where you're with a friend or family member and they're about to ask you a question before they say it out loud, you answer them because you know what they're going to say. Again, reading body language, knowing someone so well, I'm even me saying I don't know what the mechanism is doesn't mean that it is telepathy. Th this is where I'm at. I'm not, this is just my, this is how I kind of frame things as a skeptic, but I'm open to being convinced otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's just you have to experience it because when the animals talk. So this is the thing. It's not just, OK, if it's a coincidence where I'm, you know, describing the bedroom or the house or whatever. But what's not a coincidence is immediately after our session, if you were dealing with a behavioral issue with your animal and then immediately after our session, based on what came through, the behavior stops or you see an immediate change, which happens all the time. I talked to a cat one time in the very beginning of my journey. His name is Finnegan, and he was very sick, and no one could figure out what was going on. And right when I connected with him, the bottom right jaw, my bottom right jaw started aching, and specifically this one specific tooth. So I remember counting back in my mouth, and then I was describing that location for the animal. So the owners took him back to the vet, and demanded an x-ray of his teeth and he ended up having an abscessed tooth in that exact area that I said. And then they pulled the tooth, gave him medicine, and he was great. So it's things like that. It's like, okay, is it is that a coincidence or did the cat really tell me, "Hey, this tooth is a problem?" And it's in my mind is in my in my opinion, there are no such things as coincidences. Here's what I'm going to say. If you want to see a debate between the psychic and the skeptic, go on YouTube, hear these debates. I'm going to concede this point because I find your work fascinating and I'll just accept it as, as, as true because I want to hear about some of the weird things pets are saying to you. I don't really give a shit about like debating you from the skeptic point of view. I just, that conversation's so overdone and not interesting. I do find your work fascinating. So let's take it from that angle. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. I love it. Awesome. 
what are some of the weird, unexpected things that people would never think things that pets are saying to you or that are coming to you in some of these readings or perhaps a reading that really stands out as an example of that? So this is more of a funny example, and I'm sharing it first because I think if people believe that what I do is real, they might think it's possible more so with like dogs and cats. They might not think a turtle, right, or a bearded dragon. So I talked to a turtle one time. I talked to a bearded dragon, too. I don't remember that conversation, but I talked to a turtle named Michael, and I asked him, is there anything in your home bothering you? That's a question I ask every animal. And he said, yes, when mom comes home, he, I don't think he said from work. He said, when mom comes home at the end of the day, I think is what he said. The session was a while ago. When mom comes home at the end of the day, I don't understand why she walks in the door and doesn't appreciate her clothing. And I just, she just throws the clothing and I don't get why she doesn't like her clothes. I think they're really nice. And I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, what, what does this mean? <laughs> so after the session, his human mom sent me an email that, Every day when she gets home from work, she literally walks in the door, rips her clothes off because she doesn't like wearing clothes, throws them on the cow on the chair right next to where this turtle's pen is. So the turtle is seeing this happening, thinking the mom doesn't appreciate her clothing. And he says, why is she doing this? I think she has really nice clothing. And I share that because it's not just cats and dogs and horses that understand us, that have opinions, that feel emotion. It's literally every single living being on this planet. And it's not just animals that like to be naked. It's people, too. I think we can learn from that story. Right. I had to put a little um, baby. He looks so dumb and so funny. We had to put an outfit on our kitty because he had a little sore that he was picking at. And we, we, were, we put him on in a fashionista cone, I call it, because he looks like he's so fashionable in his little neck cone. But he didn't like that, so we gave him an outfit. He didn't like his clothes. So pets don't like clothes. I'm a naked person myself. Obviously not now, but, you know, I'm just, I walk around the house naked. Well, that we are all born naked. We should just stay naked. It's so much more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar conversation. She was a lawyer, pet medium. Now she's going to a uh, nudist colony. <laughs> or a naturist colony. They don't like being called nudist. I actually had a, a director of one on the show a few months ago. How advanced are the things that pets are trying to say? Like, are these... Could, could my puppy, not that I have a puppy, I only have a cat, but could my puppy do astrophysics if only it could communicate or are animals kind of as dumb as we might think they are? No, they're way smarter than we are. But why does one need to know astrophysics? Is that even what you said? Yeah, astrophysics. Yeah, I, it's physics and astros. See, I don't know what it is either. Right. When, when I talk to the animals, it's not just, oh, I like my food. I want more treats. I ask what advice they have for you. And it's it's sentence by sentence. It's a back and forth dialogue of my human dad needs to stop stressing about work. He's working every single day. He needs to take time off. He hasn't been drinking water. He's not working out. He needs to have that conversation with his mom. He's been putting off like it is very specific. Like you were talking to a human family member and they were giving you advice about their life. Now, do I think animals understand some human con constructs that we have like time i mean they understand time but like marriage they understand that their two humans are married i don't know do, that's like a human construct do they understand that the humans ho hopefully love each other and live in the same home absolutely right so is a is a turtle gonna know what two plus two is no that's i mean that's just a ridiculous question i would never even ask an animal that because like why what does that matter you know but i mean the what's fascinating is that the horse 
communicates the same as the dog, as the rabbit, as the turtle, as the elephant. I was just in Thailand and I communicated with some elephants at an elephant sanctuary. There is no difference in how they communicate, whether the animals are living, deceased, asleep, old, babies. It's a soul level communication. And with telepathy, there are no barriers, which is why I'm able to communicate with animals that are deceased, which is why I'm able to communicate with animals in different countries whose family only speaks to them in a different language. Even if they've never heard English with telepathy, which is nonverbal communication, if I say to you apple in English or manzana, apple in Spanish, we're still talking about the same object, the apple. And that's how I'm able to communicate with these animals in whatever language they know, because it's it, there's no barriers with telepathy sort of concepts. Is there a hard barrier for you where you can't read people? I've never really tried to read people. I've done a couple sessions with like deceased human family members, but I just personally don't enjoy it. My heart and and desire is to connect with the animals. So it's just not something that I've practiced or really tried to strengthen. But do I believe that everyone can do that? Yeah, I think on some level it might come easier to others than that it might come easier to some than others. But I think it's the same concept. It's the same strategy. So what can people hope to gain from coming to you? So what I've got a cat. His name's Tomato. I call him Kitty. Or we sometimes call him Shinky because we imagine when his little claws come out of his paw, they go shink. Aww. He's uh, really annoying. I love him. But I mean, I hated pets. I still kind of hate pets. hate everyone else's pet. They're not your own. Exactly. Just like everyone's kids are more annoying. But if they're your own. Oh, my God. You know, hopefully you like them a little bit more. Hopefully. I mean, or you end up with someone like me. But, you know, that's a conversation for my psychiatrist. Now, I love him. My girlfriend kind of steamrolled me into, into getting him. And at first I was skeptical. And within a month, he was my favorite thing in the world. But what could I hope to gain from coming to a psychic? Or what could the average dog owner hope to gain? Um, is it only people who have problems with their pets or people who are happy with their pets, who have a good relationship with their pets, would they also come to you? It's a healthy mix of both. The, the three top reasons people come to me is, yes, a behavioral issue, maybe separation anxiety, to connect with their deceased animals. But a large majority of the people that come to me now are just to see how they can enhance their animal's life. I have a massive wait list. I have about almost 8,000 people on my wait list. So I'm at the <laughs> point now in my journey It's amazing. where... If you have like an emergency or something seriously going on right now, I'm not the one for you because it's going to be four or five months, maybe a year until I can communicate with your animal. So the majority of my clients now are just, hey, how can we improve my dog, cat, horse's life? What do they want or need? But what they can gain, David, is if you are dealing with a behavioral issue, I've had so many communications where almost instantaneously like the same day or the day after a communication, drastic changes happen in the house. But if you're not dealing with something specific, a session is just going to help you understand your animal better and what they like and don't like. But with that, it's going to give you an understanding or an awareness that they really are perceptive and mindful of everything going on in your life and how you're feeling. So it just instantly strengthens the bond. You becoming aware as to the depth that you actually have with your animal. It's not just, oh my gosh, I love them. They're so cute. It's, hey, they really are my best friend. They're a family member and they understand what's going on. I love it. And I'm also just so blindsided by 8,000 people on the wait list. You should be proud as someone who came from a corporate world to now someone who's sort of an independent small business owner 
Would you call yourself a creative? I don't know. But there's something artistic about what you do. I would call you a creative. Definitely. I mean, I teach workshops every month. I just started my online school. So I'm always trying to create new things to help educate the world that this is possible. Because me as Nikki, I can only talk to a limited number of animals, which is why I started my school. I want to help educate as many people as possible that, hey, you can do this too. Go out. Because if I teach thousand, a thousand people a year to talk to animals, how many more animals voices will be heard than if it's just me doing one or two sessions a day, four or five days a week. So that's my goal. You're teaching sessions. You got the wait list. You're, you're doing well. I am I'm honestly blindsided by your success. And I'm very, I'm, I, I'm happy for you. And, and I think that's amazing. I have eight listeners of this podcast, which is sort of similar to 8,000, just different order of magnitude. <laughs> do you think this is something that most people could find success in or do you think you're particularly lucky or or absolutely what people can find success i mean i see it in my students right now i have students i started my online school in january of this year in 2023 and i see my top three students started in january never having heard of this and now they're three of my best students and they they started they, they came into my academy not thinking they wanted to quit their job because they like their job but now they're seeing, wow, I really am doing well and I can do this. And now the the wheels are turning of, hmm, do I want to turn this into a profession? So, yes, it's something that everyone can do if you want it. But listen, it takes a ton of time. I mean, when you work for yourself, you definitely work more than you ever did. At least I did when I was doing a nine to five. It wasn't really a nine to five, but I work so much more. Wait, wait If you're trying to start a social media business, you have to post every single day for like i posted three to four videos a day for a year and like eight months it was a lot i don't do that now it's not sustainable but it's a lot to get going but you can do it if you want i love it look back to the skeptic thing i i'm taking this attitude all the time on my show and i'm thinking okay no one's gonna call the night my producer tells me to bring an astrologer on my radio show that was the night when i got the single highest number a phone call. So people really are interested in this stuff. Where can people find out about your school? I have my website is NikkiVascones.com. On the menu bar, if you click Academy, it has all the details, but you can also find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at Nikki Vascones. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Can you tell me something about my little cat tomato? I wasn't going to ask you, but my girlfriend's like, you have to, uh, but you can go ahead and say no. Do you have a picture? I have one on my phone. I can just hold your phone up. I have one of my girlfriend holding him with his little uh, outfit on, his little outfit that I told you about. So his name's Tomato? Tomato. Uh, but I, I, let me give you the good one. This is the classic one that I got on my phone here. Thank you for doing this, by the way. I'm, now that I realize you have a wait list, I feel terrible. There he is. There he is. It's him and a little, a little mug. And Tomato's a male? Yes. Tomato's a male kitty. All right. You can put your phone down. Let me just give me a second. Let me just tap into him. All right, so right when I connect with tomato, uh, the word skittish came to mind, but not skittish in terms of like maybe anxiety, but it's like he he's like jumping back and he's like startled and he's like moving off fast. So don't say anything, David. Let me just keep seeing what he what comes through. And it's almost like a little bit of an annoyance, like don't touch me and poke me when I don't want to be touched. So this movement I'm seeing is like him pulling his legs back like how dare you come near me <laughs> is this is this all the time tomato or is this just certain times of your day 
and you know, some are some are going to say, oh, this is general of cats, but I'm still going to say it. He says that everything is very much on his terms, whether he wants to be pet, touched. I'm seeing him like being lovey with you, cuddly, snuggly, but I don't think it's the majority of the time and it's when he wants it. Does everything I said thus far sound accurate? Yeah, I think so. He's uh, very skittish, but only occasionally. Like he runs around, we, the zoomies, of course. He's got his boundaries, but when he's not holding his boundaries up, he's the most cuddly cat you can imagine. So you're 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 right on the nose. I mean, you're, you get. I mean, you're close. I think you know a little bit more emphasis on the skittishness than he actually is. But but ex- but you're on the nose. So let's see. So tomato, do you have anything that you want your dad to know right now? He, does he ever? Um, I don't know where you got. Oh, you said Canada. I'm seeing him really loving the breeze going in his face. Is, does he lay near a fan or a vent or an air conditioner? It could be a window, but he's just lo- I'm seeing him sitting there and it's just like the nice air in his face. And he loves that. Yeah. When we, we have a window with bars because we're in Manhattan, we can't let him out. And he sits in the window and we open it. And in our old house, we had a little light well in the building and we let him out there. We called it his cat jail because sometimes we had to keep him out there. So just know that he loves that. So if it's nice out and you can have the window open, do that for him as often as possible. Loves a breeze. I mean, you you got it all exactly. And David, like this was real quick on the spot, like two minutes right on camera. When I do sessions, they're 90 minutes. It's very in-depth, but it's just it's very it's just hearing their voice as to what they love and like and need and want. And it's really fun. Look, my girlfriend Miranda is going to love that you're telling him he needs more of a breeze. I mean, that's that's thank you for doing this. I We didn't just have you on so you could do a reading for my pet, although it may feel that way. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Nikki, I really appreciated talking to you. This is a lot of fun. I loved it, David. It was a, it was a great time. Thanks for having me on. Of course.